0: You're more blessed to give than receive. We see that in Scripture, and we see that thread and that fabric running all through Scripture, that when you give, um, you're blessed for doing so. We begin this series today, Give, Give Up, Give In, Get Out, and we'll have a chance for you over the next three weeks to find ways that you can give your life and make a difference in the world. And I'm excited about what God's going to do over these next three weeks and excited to think about what could happen to us if we truly grab that principle of being a person of, a lifelong giver. All of us have benefited in some form or fashion from someone giving to us. Sacrificially giving, we benefited um, in a variety of ways. All of us could tell stories of times of need where people came and gave to us and, and we're better because of it. We can tell stories of times when we've given and we've been blessed indirectly as a result of that. It's real easy for us to get disconnected in our world though with all that we have. We have so much in America and until you leave the confines of the United States of America and fly to another country and just get on the other side of the road, you realize we are blessed beyond measure. Tr- truly are. We-, we have so much. It's just we throw stuff away that other people would die to have it's real easy, too, to get disconnected from our world. When something happens in our world, it's easy for us to say someone else will take care of it. Someone else sees the needs, I'm sure, though, or it just seems like it's too big. We watch these catastrophic events happen in our world. We watch what happened in Japan recently, and we just look at it. We stand and we might say, wow, look at that water. And you watch these people being washed away. And then you hear reports like there's ten to 11,000 people that are, that are dead, with 16,000 more people unaccounted for, most likely dead. 100,000 plus people homeless right now. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that thing, but we don't feel that because we don't personally find ourselves there in, in, in the midst of that. But what should we do when we see the needs in our world? How should we respond to those? How can we respond to those? And what happened to you when you saw what took place in Japan a few weeks back? Did it do anything to you? Or is it kind of like of a distant thought like, Boy, that's been a while, and I hope they took care of things, and and the, the news isn't covering it as much, and I'm sure things are a lot better. As a reminder, what took place a few weeks back in Japan, take a look at this video here. We sit in the comforts of this auditorium here in the main, the link, and maybe you're watching through the internet and you're sitting at a computer screen. It's real easy to forget what's happened to brothers and sisters across the world. And, and it's easy for us to see that and want to do something about it, yet realize it's just too big. It's, it's, it's too large. And it's like, what, how can I make a difference in a world that's in desperate need? I mean, the last thought on your mind this morning when you got up is, was, wonder where I'm going to sleep tonight. Sure, that wasn't even a thought that occurred to you, yet over 100,000 people for sure are asking that question, not certain where they'll sleep tonight. Not only sleep, but what will I eat and wondering if a husband or wife or a child, if they'll ever be found. And so while this is happening in America and while we're in secure here in Goshen, Indiana, on the other side of the world, there's this turmoil, there's this distress, there's this need, there's just this cavity of brokenness that somehow needs repaired. There needs to be someone coming in to bridge hope to this community. And so as over the next couple of weeks, we're going to ask ourselves, and, and, and I'm asking myself personally, how can we become people who have a lifestyle of giving so that when people see that we give, they notice the reason we give is because we have this love for Jesus Christ. And it changes the way they live. I want you to think through that over the next uh, 40 minutes and over the next three weeks. Ask yourself this question. Am I a person who has a lifestyle of giving or am I a collector? Is there more stuff that I have that I keep collecting, I keep storing, I get seconds of so that in case of something happen, happening in my life, I'm prepared? Or are you a person who lives in a moment and sees a need and acts upon it? we we'll are more blessed to give than to receive. I want you to listen to some of these stats and think through how wealthy we are, even as a country. Think through right now, though, what's happening in our world right now. Almost half of the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 every day. $2.50. More than half the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. 22,000 children die each day due to poverty and they die quietly in some of the of the poorest villages on earth far removed from the scrutiny and conscience of the world right now 22,000 people will die before we go to bed tonight in our world yet it's hard for us to put our 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 hands around that, or even our minds around it say, well, that's just because of this. And that's just because of that. Yet before you go to bed tonight and before the 24-hour period of this day ends, 22,000 people will die. Children, somebody's baby, somebody's son, somebody's daughter that this mom and dad love will die because of malnutrition and lack of nourishment. And yet we can become detached from that. It's like, well, it's just so far away. Let them take care of it. Around 27 to 28% of all children in developing countries are estimated to be underweight or stunted in growth. The two regions that account for the bulk of this deficit are Southeast Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. We have two orphanages that we built, one in Thailand, one in Cambodia, the very place where, where the poorest of poorest live and where the, the, the highest percentage of underweight. And we live in a country where we're obese, We throw food away. They give us leftover doggy bags and doggy boxes to throw away because we can't eat it all. And yet in our world today, people live on less than 250 a day and 22,000 children would die to have our leftovers. We go to our refrigerator and we have to throw food out because we cook too much. Yet this day on the other side of the world in the poorest of poor countries, our, our children and families... They don't even have enough food for sustenance to even live. And yet, we're the most obese country in the whole world. So, should we do something about that or say that's their fault and this is just the way it is? God blesses America. Think about this how we spend money in America. Accounting for every man, woman, and child in the United States, Americans spend on the average 20 cents every day just on cosmetics perfume, skin, and hair products. One-tenth of what the poorest of poor need, if they could have that money, it would feed them. We spend it on so that we look good in the mirror. We washed our hair. We, we, some put mascara on and some put eye, eye protection on. Or we even put sunscreen on our faces so that we're not burned. And yet on the other side of the world, those 20 cents might save a family. We spend over 50 cents a day on jewelry alone, 50 cents a day in America on jewelry alone. We spend nearly $3 on furniture and household goods. We spend as much money on a lazy boy per day as people in third world countries need to eat. We spend more money so we can sit in a comfortable couch and watch a, a program that we like with a remote control. And yet, meanwhile, that money could, could be used to rescue a child that, wouldn't, that can't make it and might die tonight. But do we think about that? We spend $3 every day on clothing, the very clothes that you have on per day. We spend more money on clothing per day alone than the world needs to exist half of the world around and yet our closets are full. And we need another outfit. We need another pair of shoes. We need another this. We need another that. And meanwhile, we could take that money and we could support a, an individual so that their child wouldn't die. We spend six dollars a day on gambling alone in America. We spend twice the amount plus on gambling money that we just throw away. And half the world needs two fifty a day just to live. We'll see a quarter on the floor or even a nickel or dime that will overlook. It's too much work to stop and pick it up. And yet a quarter is a tenth of what people need in half the world. We spend $7 a day on automobiles and trucks. Americans spend $9 per day per individual on food. Just food alone. We spend almost four times the amount on food that some countries need to exist per day. Americans simply live a lifestyle that's beyond imagination for the most of the poor in the world. And so what do we do with that information? What do you do with that information? Well, Jim, it's just American. God bless America and it takes a lot to live. I mean, They should live here. Send them here. We'll take care of them, you know. Or should we do something about it when we see the the tragedies in our world? Should we do something? Should it stir something in us so that we become givers and give? Bible has a lot to say about giving. It also has a lot to say about how you treat poor people. I want you to grab your Bibles and we're gonna go on a journey today. And I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 21. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 13. When you find that, we're going to read it here in a second. There are some warnings that God gives us if we don't care for the poor, the underprivileged, the overlooked in our world. The first thing he reminds us is this. It literally cuts us off from God if we don't care for the poor in our world. If we don't do something about it, if we don't act on the need, if all we're worried about is our needs, our kids, our home, our world, if we don't act on the needs around us, God himself will cut us off. Look at Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 13. Stand with me. We'll read that together. This is the foundation for this message today. Proverbs 21 and verse 13. Read this with me. Ready? Read. If a man shuts his ear to the cry of the city poor, he too will be cry out and not be answered. Read again. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Have a seat, please. That's pretty strong, by the way. If a man shuts his ears to the cries of the poor, he turns his TV off, he shuts his computer off, He closes the newspaper. He sees a neighbor across the street. He turns his back. She turns their back. If we shut our ears off to the needs, it says this, that when we cry out to God, God, please help me, God, please. I I have this need. I need a job. I need this. I need healing. God says, fat chance. Even as I went through the marriage series last week and I expressed and showed how even if we have a sin between us and our wives, First Peter 3 says, if we don't deal with that sin, that when we go to pray, our prayers are hindered. There's a ceiling tile between us and God. And I often wonder as I read this passage, as I have it underlined in my Bible, as we see all the needs in our world, our first and often response is, oh, I'll let someone else take care of it. Or it's this, we see this need, we see this needy family. And we think, well, my first response is call the church, they'll take care of it. And so, our first response often is instead of us taking care of it, God let us see that person. God let us see that need. God wants us to sell something to take care of it. God wants us to bring them into our home. God wants us to give up something so we can buy for them. Instead of that, our first default, call the church. And if I call the church, I can stay free of that, and I know they'll take care of it, and I don't have to do anything about it. So, I just call the church. Now, there are times you call your local church. But is that your first default, or you say, What is it that God wants me to do about this personally? God is serious about the needs in our world. We are not excusable for the needs in our world. I mean, right there it is. If we shut our ears to the cries of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. So we must do something about it. One of the things I love, of the many things I love about leading Grace Community Church is here's a group of people, the DNA and the fabric is to give. But we got to be careful that we're not living in the past and saying, well, we are known for this when we should be known for this now, not past. We're supposed to live in the day, live in the moment. So we can't continue to look back. If our praises are old, it reflects a lot about our giving. I don't know if you realize it, but we have an underground network of people that we care for here at Grace. On any given Thursday morning, you could come in. And there's open gym from 6 to 9. If you stand outside, there can be lines of people gathering at 5.30 in the morning wanting to get in our building. You know why that is? It's because there's a group of volunteers who comes in early. And on Thursday, every Thursday, they serve food, breakfast to needy, hungry people in our community. We don't advertise for it. It's an underground network. The poor support. Tell the poor. They come in. The hungry come in. And this West Fourier is loaded with people who are being served breakfast by a great group of volunteers at Grace. You ever wanna come in on Thursday and you say, I don't know what you're doing. Come in and help out and serve and love on people. The same time from 10 to 12, often these same people or many others come, we hand out food vouchers, $30 food vouchers for a grocery store here in Goshen that allows them to buy the basic needs that they need. They get in line, we give away as many as 30 to 35 vouchers every thursday if you come in here you'll see a group of people who come in to volunteer they can get so many every six months and then when the new six months comes they can get another amount but our church is loaded with people who have needs it's beautiful to watch even over this spring break rich has taken a group of teens to chicago to pack meals for feed my starving children so that they have a lifestyle of giving There's a ton of needs that come through Grace Community. I mean, we are inundated with needs. And so we've run it through our prayer chain. We also run it through our info line today at Grace. Someone needs a NIPSCO bill, someone needs clothing, someone needs food. And time after time, you see that need, you respond to it. And we don't even have to ask for it. And people just act upon it. And so daily needs are being met. So when you see the needs in the world, what do you do? Doesn't it bother you right now that right now while we sit here that there's this great need in our world in Japan? Let me be quite honest, I couldn't wait for this message. And here's why. Because I love Grace Community Church. And when I tell people that I get to be out with, you know, I've traveled all across America. I've been across the country. I've been overseas in a variety of places. And I'll often say this. Let me tell you about Grace. And people in America say, how do you get your people to serve? How do you get them to give? How do you get them? I said, we put a list out and we ask them to and they do it. It's part of the DNA, but we got to be careful that it's not past DNA. It needs to be present DNA. So where does that come from, that stirring in your heart? It often comes out of pain. People who are givers often give because they've had a hard time in their life and someone gave to them. you 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 know my story, but my mom was a single parent and there was four of us and had three uh, three sisters, and there were times when I was little that my mom had many needs, and people gave, and I remember that. And going overseas and finding myself in, in third world countries, setting in villages and setting in huts that had never seen white men before, and seeing the needs, my heart was broken. And so out of that came this desire to give. But 11,000 people potentially are dead in Japan, 16,000 missing, hundreds of thousands homeless. When I see that, it's like we got to do something about that. I also know this that if we don't do something, it disgraces our testimony. Turn to first John chapter three. Please turn there. You'll see first and second Peter, first and second and third John. Turn to first John chapter three. Near the, the back of your Bible in the New Testament. Look at verse 17. First John chapter 3 and verse 17. Look what it says here. First John chapter 3 and verse 17. If anyone has what kind of possessions? What's it say? Material possession. All of us have material possessions. Every one of us. If you have clothes on at your Grace Community Church today, you have material possessions. If you're here naked, you don't have material possessions. And praise God, you're dressed today. We all have material possessions. And sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him. How can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or in tongue, but with actions and in truth. How can we just sit here when there's needs in our world? If we see them, the word of God says, if we don't act upon it, if we don't take our possessions and give them possessions, then the love of God probably isn't in us. There must be a connection from our heart to how we give. Right now in our world, there's all kinds of needs. There are people who are dying because they need water and they need food. In fact, 14 people die every two minutes due to malnutrition. So in in two minutes time, literally during this message, as many as as 280 people will die because of malnutrition. And right now in our world, you want to hear some other horrible things in our world and see if it bothers you? Right now in our world, some baby between the ages of 5 and 18 months old Five and 18 months old is being raped because somebody in Africa believes a lie that since they have AIDS, the story has been told that because they have AIDS, the cure to AIDS is to go rape and sleep with a five to 18-month-old baby and it'll cure your AIDS. Now, when you hear that, does that bother you at all? Or that's just horrible. I hope they take care of it. What if it was your five to 18-month-old and you were trying to protect and these, these, these tribal people came in and they... Took your baby away. Yet we hear that stuff, but do we act upon it? We gotta do something. You see, the problem is this we've become so comfortable. We think our situation is so horrible and all we look at is our needs, our problems, this mess, that mess. Like, oh, my marriage is so messed up, and my kids and that and school and money and finances and jobs and, and shoes and clothes and hats and, and games and, and basketball games and recreation. It's like we're so entrenched with that when the need comes up, we don't even see it because it's all about us. Yet we're more blessed to give and to receive. I mean, part of the reason we rescued 40 plus kids in Cambodia and Thailand because we saw the tragedy of, of what they had to walk through. We knew that there was human sex slavery and there was human trafficking and that nine-year-olds could be sold for prostitutes in Asia. You go to Thailand right now, you walk in Cambodia and there's parts of Cambodia and Thailand, you walk down the streets, you'll see nine, 10, 11-year-old girls have a pimp who was who who takes her and sells her to this westerner and he has sex with her for thousands of dollars. So that the money that she gets out of that, the family gets a small return, maybe a dollar or two. And that dollar or two is sent back to the family that can feed the family because they only need two fifty to live. So does that bother you at all? When you hear that, how about this mothers of children? What if you had to have this ethical dilemma in your life? What if you knew you had four to five kids and that, All four or five kids would die unless you made a decision to sell one of your girls to to prostitution so that the money from prostitution would pay so that the other four kids would live. And if you don't sell them, everyone dies. At least you can save four or five. Do you wake up every morning with that ethical dilemma? And all over the world, especially in Asia, mothers have to make those hard decisions every day. 60 kids per day, 21,000 a year. Between the ages of 5 and 18 months are being raped because someone told somebody in Africa that if you have AIDS and you sleep with a virgin baby, it'll cure your AIDS. Every single time I see a picture of our girls, Thailand and Cambodia, that you rescued, praise God, that you're willing to... And weekly, you give every single time I see our precious girls who were rescued three years ago, who, who no doubt in my mind, because they're beautiful inside and out, they would be on the streets and they would be sold into to human sex slavery. When I see them, I just say, praise God, they're rescued. And every time I see them dance when we go over there and they're so precious and, and so, so innocent and, and now they know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior and they're growing. I just say, I love my church. I'm gonna show you a picture of, of some of our girls in Cambodia. I mean, just look at how beautiful they are. And if it wasn't for you, these precious girls who are your daughters and your sisters, they would be sold to some pimp and, would sell them out for a dollar a day but we saw the need and we responded and you gave to that if you ever go to asia you have a chance to visit our children when you go there it just rips your heart up for good when you pull into cambodia and you drive back to where our home is where our rescue kids are they line up and i've said this before but it's worth repeat they line up on both sides Ten on each side, 15 on each side with the, the workers, and they stand there. When you pull up in a van, they stand there and they wait till you get out of the van and they make you walk through and they cheer you on. They have they have these they hold American flags and you stand there and they're like and in their mind they see us as those who have rescued them and they're grateful. And then finally, when the house parent says, Go ahead, they come running at you, attacking you basically. And it's nothing like pulling up in the van after that first initial visit. And when they know you're coming back, they come and they swarm around the van. You can barely get out of the van. You have to push yourself through the crowd. And then when they say this to you, if you're a father, and they look at you and they say, daddy, mommy, brother, sister, you see, we are their family. So I know when I go there, it's just, it's a beautiful picture. And when I see the picture of our kids in Thailand, here's a recent picture of what you've rescued and the money that you get. Look how beautiful they are. Let me tell you, they were hopeless three years ago. And a lot of these children didn't have parents and their parents were killed and And they were homeless and they would be on the streets and some horrible monster would come alongside. Yet because we saw the need and you gave, they are rescued, they are growing, they are flourishing. They have come to Christ. They're gonna be the next movers and shakers in our world. And our kids in Cambodia, same with them. One of our visits there, they had a sign made. And when we came back to the rented home that they're in, we gave them shirts and had this, this, this sign, this banner up, welcome Pastor Jim Brown and the teams at Grace Community Church. There's nothing like it. Some of you in this room know what I'm talking about. Emin and Dana, you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing like it. See, if we don't do something about the needs, then we'll be cut off and we lose our opportunity to share the gospel. Look at James chapter 2. Turn to James chapter 2, just write back a few books. James chapter 2, look at verse 15. James 2 and verse 15. Look what it says here in James 2 and verse 15. It says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. Hey, I'll pray for you. Hope things work out. It says, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? You see, if we don't share, what good is it? We lose our vehicle to say that Jesus lives in me and Jesus loves you. You see, the world is watching. They're looking for hope. They might pretend to have it all together, but they're looking for this hope to arise on the horizon and say that there's a way out of this mess. There's somebody that's bigger than this mess. There's somebody that gives me hope, and it's Jesus Christ. Just this past year, we asked for bikes. I had a friend that's a missionary in Chicago, and we support. And he, he sent me an email. He said, hey, Jim, he said, we're thinking about there's all these Easterners moving into Chicago, and we want to reach them, and they need transportation, and the transportation they need is bikes. And if we fix these bikes or give them these bikes, it gives them a chance to get to work. And we felt like if we could have some bikes to give to them, that somehow we could have a bridge. And so he asked me, he said, Jim, would you be willing to ask your church to give some bikes? And I said, sure, John. And so we texted him or emailed him. He came back and I said, John, it might be a pretty big amount, so you better be ready. He says, we're hoping for about 25 to 30 bikes, we could reach 25 to 30 people. So I told you about the need this past year. You brought in 335 bikes. The really cool thing about this is this. Yeah, praise God for that. I emailed John after the service. I said, John, get a big truck. Get a real big truck. He was going to come and pick them up. We had to send a, a, a trailer clean to Chicago and another trailer to Rob some that drove it there. And what happened is they didn't have a room big enough for him, but God worked. He says, Jim, while I told him about this need, prayed about, God opened up this warehouse that was available and know what happened? We put these bikes in there and now he's reaching these Easterners with the gospel of Jesus Christ because he's given them a free bike. You reach a need, God responds. And he uses it. Katrina hit four or five years ago. We sent two teams down and then a third team to go down. And we sent men and women who cut down trees. And we spent a week there and a team followed it up. And it was an incredible time of seeing people come to Christ. And then we realized there's displaced people in Louisiana. We can do something about this. And so there's an individual here at Grace And he said, you know what, we ought to send a bus down there, go to those refugee camps and see who wants to come back to Northern Indiana and live here. We got homes, we got food, we got money. And so this individual gave $5,000. He says, I want to give him a good bus, a chartered bus. So he gave $5,000. We got the best bus that we could find. We loaded it with eight or 10 of our own. meanwhile, back here, while two teens were down in the Gulf Coast, there was a group back here that got working and 10 Families here at Grace said, I'll open my house up. And so people were opening up the rooms to take in families with kids. And so we were prepared to receive 10 families. Then another family said, you know what? I, I can open up my basement. And we had people bringing clothes in the basement, became this Goodwill thrift shop. We had all these clothes lined up so the displaced people could say, that's my size, that's my clothes. And we were ready. And so we sent this bus down. And so the people that went, they went out through this tended village in this refugee set up place and they went out and they said, hey, we got a place for you to live in Northern Indiana. And when they told all these people that was 20 degrees, no one wanted to come. (laughs) It's the truth. That's cold. No one, but one. His name was Kevin. Kevin Carter got a King's treatment. He came the whole way back on a chartered air conditioned bus. With 10 people from Grace Community Church, Mike and Knights, Nancy Bonowitz put him in their home. And when he came back here, that bus was full of 10 Grace people, room for 60 or 70, and one Louisiana replant. And when he got off the bus, he received a king's cheer. Was he worth $5,000? You bet he was. You bet he was. And then when the tornado hit here in Goshen, in Napanee area, we shut down Sunday morning services. We sent 500 plus people to to Napanee. You know why we sent them? Because there was a need there. There were trees that needed to cut down. There There was dirt that needed to pick up. There was trash. Three days prior to that, though, they blocked off and barricaded Napanee. They wouldn't let anyone in, just rescue workers. We sent a group of guys and men that went from grace with chainsaw. We got to the barricade. I was in the front and on the side of our truck was a decal. It said grace community relief team. The guy looked, he said, you're from grace community church. We're not supposed to let anybody. He said, come on in because we had a reputation for caring for people. But listen to me, that was then what are we doing now? It's gotta be now. It can't be banking on the, on the things of the past. And then there were some homeless men that we got word of and people here at Grace got word of that were sleeping in tents on the Elkhart River. And some men, Emma and Schmucker and Michael and Harold and some others saw that need and wanted to do something about it in Dana. So they found a house for them to live in. Was it hard? You bet it was hard. Were they cantankerous? You bet they were cantankerous. Were most of them unsaved? You bet they were Did they struggle with alcoholism? Yes, they did. Were they worth it? Yes, they were. Did some of them come to Christ? Yes. Two of them came to Christ. Was it worth it? Yes. Was it hard? Yes. Was it difficult? Were there times that people felt like giving up? Yes. Did it please God? Absolutely. You see, when you see a need, you got to move. You got to respond. You got to do something with it. We're not here to collect more stuff, church. Plus today is the day, not one day when I'm a little better off, not one day when I finish school or not one day I'm too young now or not one day because I'm unemployed, not one day because I have this bill, not one day because I'm bankrupt, not one day because my home is foreclosed. It's now, it's today. If you've got clothes on your back and there's something in your closet, you can help somebody. Acts 9.36 makes that clear. Dorcas, also named Tabitha. She had a skilled trade she could sew, and and the text shows us, and history shows us, that she made outfits for people, clothed them. Everyone can do their part. You see, when we do give, there's some blessing. Look at Proverbs chapter 28. There's this benefit package that comes. You want to see some good bennies? Take a look what happens when we care for poor. We always talk about what kind of benefit package can I get with this job? How about as a Christian? What's the bennies of being a Christian? Look at Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 27. Here's some benefits when you help the poor. It says this, he who gives to the poor will lack what? What's it say? Nothing. Look again, Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-seven. I want you to help me out. He who gives to the poor will lack what? Nothing. But he who closes his eyes to them receives many what? Okay, what do you want? Curse? Or you want blessing? Look at Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17. Turn back. Proverbs 19 and verse 17. Proverbs 19 and verse 17. The Bible is loaded with verses like this, and they're all underlined in my Bible. Proverbs 19 and verse 17 says this: "He who is kind to the what, poor lends to whom? the Lord." and he will reward him for what he has done. God takes it seriously, so seriously that he is willing to reward us for that. Plus, we're called to defend the cause. Isn't that what Isaiah 117 says? Defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow, encourage the oppressed. We have an Isaiah 117 ministry here for single moms. It's a ministry that helps their needs. They have a need we try to work hard at helping them out, making their home a place of safety and helping them out. We have a ministry here at Grace Community Church that does that. Look at Proverbs chapter 31. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 31. We often think of Proverbs 31 as the Proverbs 31 woman. But prior to that, that, that passage on what it means to be a Proverbs 31 woman, right before that is, are some good admonitions from Scripture. Look at Proverbs 31 in verse eight to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are what destitute speak up and judge fairly defend the rights of the what poor and what let me ask you a personal question who are you standing in the gap for right now that's poor well I'm poor look at me I can barely make no not you who are you standing in the gap for whose calls are you screaming out for? Who, who is it? Who comes to mind? What poor needy person, family, what cause in the world are you saying we need to do something? I'm going to do something. Would you join me in doing something? Who is it when they look, this needy person says it wasn't for him. If it wasn't for her, then we wouldn't have what we have. Does your name surface when there's a cause in our world? Because that's what God looks at. I love Ecclesiastes. Next book over, Ecclesiastes chapter nine. One of my favorite verses in scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter nine in verse 15. Look what it says here, nine verse 15. Ecclesiastes 9, 15, it says, Now there lived in that city a man, what? Poor, but what? Wise. And he did what to the city? Saved the city by his what? Wisdom but no one remembered the poor man. So there's this somewhere in this city during this time, there was this town council. It's like, I don't know, maybe it was a financial. he said, this town is bankrupt. We don't know what to do. And this guy from the back who was poor, probably homeless, maybe had disheveled clothes. Maybe his was hair was matted. And he says, I got an answer. And people looked at him and said, that's a poor man. How would you have an answer? You see, we even view people by the way they dress and the way they live and what they drive and where they work. Somehow he raised his hand and said, here's the answer. Maybe it, was a, maybe it wasn't a financial concern. Maybe it was a gang related thing. He says, I got an answer. I can save the city. Maybe someone was about to attack the city and they're looking to say, they're too big. He said, I got an answer. I got an answer. This poor, but wise man said, I know what we should do. And so what they did, they listened to him. They let his help save the city. And that says, the poor man wasn't remembered anymore. Why do you think that is? It's because we don't notice poor people. And we look at them as the lowest of lowest, and we don't think they're worth it. See, we have to even reshape how we think about people. There's a young boy that's in Cambodia at our orphan home that's been rescued. His name is Mark. He's probably 14 to 15, 16 years old. And what they found out is like any kid in America, and maybe your child, he struggles with, with learning. And so we've had him for three years, and some wise parents there, house parents there, recognize that he's struggling in school. He's not doing as well. He has learning disabilities. But they also know this. He's very good with his hands. And I was talking to Vondo, He said he can fix anything. It's like when there's something that needs fixed on a bike or something needs fixed on a car or something needs fixed mechanically, they call Marp. And so he's been struggling in school, and they want to help this boy so that he can be a, a leader of the country. And so when we were there the last time, Bondo came to us, and he said, Hey, if, if you would be willing, he said, to give $900, he said, we can send Marp to mechanic school, and he can learn to become a mechanic. And you know what happened? You gave $900. I'm going to show you a picture of Marp. Look how happy he is. He's learning to be a diesel mechanic in Cambodia. You know what's going to happen? There's going to come a day when he's going to have his own shop and someone's going to walk in and says, hey, this this engine needs a valve job. And you know, he's going to say, hey, not only does this engine need a valve job, you need a heart job. You need to know Jesus. And he's going to be leading people to Christ. And there's what I love about this. He might struggle a little bit with learning disabilities, but listen, he's valuable and he's going to save that country. Be careful how you view people, because poor people can be wise people who can save cities, and they need recognized. Why else? What's the benefit? You're doing it for Jesus. Matthew twenty five forty says, "What you've done for me, you've done. What you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. If you fed a hungry person, you fed me, Jesus. If you've given me something to drink, them to drink. You've given me something to drink. If you visit me while I was in prison, you you visit me while I was in prison. So here's the picture, men." Think about this. In women, especially men, you're out with your friend. You see a need. Someone's needy. You can say, dude, that's Jesus. Let's help him. That's what you're doing. You're literally helping Jesus. See, I think this. I think people are going to be in for the shock of their lives. Most people who who know Christ think that they're born again. They think that they're going to the Bema seat. And they're going to stand before God and he's going to judge them for their good works. When in reality, they're going to go to the great white throne judgment, thinking they're going to the of seat. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Proverbs 14 and verse 31. Look at Proverbs 14 and verse 31 says, the Bible is just loaded. Just do a Google search, in, a word search in your Bible on poor and needy and overlooked. Look at Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 31. It says, he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. If you walk back to my office and you go through the caverns, back through the catacombs and you get back to my office, on my outside wall is this beautiful piece of art that I bought in Cambodia, or was given to me in Cambodia and it's James one twenty seven. It says, pure and faultless religion is to care for orphans and widows and to look after them. You know, so what are you doing? It's pure and faultless religion to care for orphans and to look after widows. So what do we do? What do we do with a message like this? What do we do with what's happening in Japan? And what do we do with what's happening in our world? Two things. First one is this. The last time we were in Asia, our children in, Cam- in Thailand have a permanent facility that we've bought. It's a home that they own. In Cambodia, they're in a home that we've rented for them. Last year, I don't know which month it was, I received an email from Savorn, who's the regional director in, in Cambodia for Asia's Hope. He said this, your children could be on the streets soon because the landowner wants to sell his home. In Asia, it's different than America. You could sign a contract for a year and you could be gone the next day. And so literally, the house parent and Savorn were looking for a home to put 22 kids in. Have you ever tried to put, move 22 kids and so literally they could be on the street. So we were praying, but in the 24th hour, God turned the heart of the landowner and says, you know what, I'll give you another year. But in reality, it means nothing. So at any moment, our kids need a permanent home. The last time we were there, we were visiting with our children in Cambodia and Vondo came to me and I shared with them. I said, you know what Vondo? I said, I'm going to do my best. When I go back to Grace Community Church, our church is a giving church. Our church understands that this is family. We love our children. We love you. And I'm going to see if it, I believe that our church can give enough money to build a permanent home for their kids. Anyhow, I told him that. And so we were in conversation. If you've ever been to Cambodia, not in Thailand, but in Cambodia, when one person prays, whomever that is, they stand and all the children and all the people pray at the same time in their language. So while you're praying, they're praying in Kamai, in So it, it's, it's pretty awesome. You're praying and they're praying. And when you say in Jesus' name, amen, they stop. So I said something to, to Vondo. I said, you know what? I believe we can get them a home. I believe our church can do it. And so he began to talk to them in the language that I didn't understand. I asked him, what did you say? But I noticed something happening to the kids. When he got done, they were really excited. I said, what'd you say? Yeah, you, know, you want to find out what he said. He said, I told him that Grace Community Church is gonna make sure that they have a permanent home to live in. And they were excited. So we've had this correspondence over this last year. I just got another email from him and uh, uh, Bondo said this. He said, Pastor Jim, we pray for you. We pray for Grace Community Church and we pray for our house. And so one of the things I would love to see us do is to build them a permanent home. Let me show you the land I'd like to see it happen on. We bought this land last year. It's in Cambodia. It's, it's, it, 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 it's right up against the other property where five other homes are already at. You can see the blue building. That's a worship area, and there's a house right there, home there. We would like to build. You gave $14,000 this past year to help buy this land. It's 3.1 acres. We want to put our kids on this home because where they're at right now is, is about three or five, three to five kilometers away. Let me show you trying to get back to where they're at now. Look at the next slide. This is the road back to where they're at now in a rented facility. Needless to say, when it rains, it's difficult. They're not complaining, but we would love to bring them to the same spot, not only to get them off this road, but to allow them to be around the other kids to save transportation costs. Plus, they don't have to worry about not having a place to live. I'm gonna show you a picture of our kids at home. This is the home that we rent. Look at our kids, look at your kids. Aren't they just cute? But they could have a permanent Home to live in. So how can that happen? In two weeks, here at Grace, we're gonna take a special offering. And this offering, the money that comes in will go towards buying them and building a permanent home. In June and July, there's a team that's going uh, to Asia's Hope. It would be awesome if we could go there and stand on the ground or the building that's being built and say, hey, we're gonna get you in this thing. That would just be awesome. We can do that in two weeks, but what can we do today? This week, I was praying about the needs in Japan. And so while we were were thinking about that, Rich had already challenged the teens to give um, towards this need. And and a few months back, we had talked about a a ministry called Souls for Souls. S-O-L-E-S for S-O-U-L-S. It's a ministry to get started by a guy that was in the shoe business, saw the tsunami hit in Asia four or five years ago said, hey, we can do something about this. They have this ministry that goes in and takes soles of shoes to souls of people. And so it's, it's this unbelievable connection. And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, I mean, you know what? Why don't we give shoes? Wouldn't it be great if somehow these shoes went to Japan? I didn't know that was gonna happen. But anyhow, I went into my office and Bing was in there and we were talking this week. It was Wednesday or Thursday. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna ask people on Sunday to give shoes. Because if we give shoes, it's something we can do right away, and then we can ship these shoes. And I wasn't certain where they would go or how they would get there. Anyhow, I was reading that on, the, on the, the, the website for Souls for Souls. I left that office, came back in my office, went to sit down, and I looked at my monitor on my screen. And this pop-up box had appeared while I was gone. And on this pop-up box was this square box that said this, shoes for Japan. It appeared while I was gone. And so I clicked on it. And when I watched the video, and I watched this man he says that right now there's a need in Japan for 250,000 to 500,000 pairs of shoes and they're going to take the shoes that come in from souls for souls and the majority of them are going to Japan to help the need of those people. It was like, if that isn't from God, I don't know what is. And so what does that mean to us? Here's what it means. I knew this morning when I was coming in what I was going to ask for because I believe that we can meet that need today. And so I had to go through my closet today and I had a decision to make. Which shoes would I bring in? You know, you didn't know that. You just walked in and saw people leaving shoeless and you saw all these shoes and smelled the room and knew that people walked out shoeless. (laughs) But I went to my closet today and I had a decision to make. Which shoes would I give? To be quite honest with you, these are my favorite sneaks. And I knew I had to give them. And so I came in today, I might as well give my best. And so I gave these because I want those souls to save us all. Here's what it means to you today. Here in a few minutes in the link in the main, I'm going to give you a chance to give your shoes. And here's why I'm going to do it today. Because the shoes that you have on, you probably enjoy and you probably like. And there's a good chance they're your favorites, real good chance. And so you have a chance today. I'm going to ask you here in a few minutes to come and give your shoes, your souls for souls. And the reality is this. I'm going to ask you to pray over your souls so that, so that when souls go into these souls, that somehow when feet go inside of here, that somehow it connects, that someone must again, and that somehow they could come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm not even going to make it hard for you to go home and pick out a pair, and you have to give your less than best. And the other reality is, why not give our best? Why give less than best? So here in a few minutes, you could join the rest of these. And here's what's going to happen. I mean, take a look at that. We've had parents who went up and got their kids because there's babies that are displaced too. They went upstairs and they got their kids out of Kid City and they brought them down and gave their shoes. There are hundreds of stories already this morning. But listen to me, I don't want you to give because everyone else gave. And I don't want you to give because we want you to give. I want you to give because the spirit of God's saying, I need to do something and I need to do it now. And I have material possession. You might look a little weird leaving here without shoes. And the restaurant you go to might have questions. But let me tell you this. Your shoes and the act of this could put shoes on homeless people who have nothing. Dear God, help us today. God, I pray in this moment that that we wouldn't give grudgingly or because we think we have to or wonder what people think. But God, I pray that as we sing the song, that in the length that you'll come and lay down your shoes on the stage and here in the main, you'll do that. And God, I pray that you'll bless this because here in a few weeks, we're gonna box all these up and we're gonna send them to a Souls for Soul warehouse and they're gonna ship them to Japan. Jesus, I pray that the shoes that we give would directly impact a Japanese man or woman so that they come to know Jesus Christ. Please, God. Bless this moment, bless the hearts, bless the giver